Thank you, Kelly Robinson. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to August. It is August. It's hot, and it ought to be. It's Texas, and uh, I'm glad you're here. Let's talk gardening today. Yeah, about last week, we had a great program. Unfortunately, Jared Taylor, my my producer, and I were the only ones who enjoyed it. We had a great time. We missed you. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties, and we didn't know till about halfway through. I said, Jared, we're not getting any calls. This is highly unusual. He said, I know. I noticed that. I'll call us. And he called, and it worked. I called, and it worked during one of the breaks. And so I'm so sorry. It, it was a great program, and we gave a great program, and nobody came. There was some kind of a glitch in the technical equipment, and we didn't know where it was. Jared wasn't aware that there was a problem, and I wouldn't know what to do with the problem. I can't fix a flat tire, so <laughs> I'm out. I'm out automatically. But we're here today, and we'd love to hear from you, and it's live. And uh, the phone number, that's the thing you need to know. This is the key to the door, 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Don't call me about automobiles. I just admitted I can't help you there. Don't call me about real estate. Don't call me about investments. Your station probably has other programs covering those. Not my deal. Not my circus. My circus is lawns and gardens in Texas. And uh, I found out a long time ago that uh, dealing with lawns and gardens is kind of like driving a cab. The farther you get away from your hometown, the less you know about what you're talking. And uh, I, I... I just said, you know, Texas is is enough. It's crazy enough. It's my home state, I can say that. I grew up in Texas, and I've spent all but about six years of my life in Texas. I finished my undergraduate degree and started my graduate school at Ohio State and then Colorado State and then back to Ohio State because I got engaged. In fact, uh, 54 years ago yesterday, my wife and I were married. And uh, then we moved back to Texas, and I worked for the Extension Service for seven years in Dallas. And and then uh, starting in 1978, I've been doing commercial radio ever since. It may turn into a career. I'd love to hear from you. We have one call waiting. We have three lines open. Call right now, won't you please? Let's talk gardening as summer uh, progresses and kind of winds toward the end. And uh, fall, which is a wonderful time for gardening. You may say, well, everything's slowing down. Fall is the great time for landscaping. It's a great time for gardening and getting things done in a more leisurely pace than you could last spring. Last spring was chaos. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Uh, The important thing for early August is there are crops to be planted. And I'm just going to quickly mention that uh, green beans, uh, if you want to plant squash, and I'm talking about bush squash, uh, the quickly maturing squash, if you want to plant cucumbers, those are things you put in right now. And in a week or two, you would be planting coal crops. That, uh, for example, coleslaw, that would be cabbage, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and kale. That's in most of Texas. You could do it right now in far north Texas along the Red River and in the Panhandle, and you could wait a couple more weeks in south Texas. And uh, then late in the month of August, leafy and root vegetables. Sometime mid-August, you could plant um, marigolds and zinnias and celosias for fall color. Buy them in bud but not in bloom, and you'll have the best plants. They'll establish better and give you the best color. Right now, you can plant lots of things that are good summer color plants. 
that uh, like the heat and will color up in the fall. I think of three or four in particular, like firebush and copper plants, wax begonias, if you can find really nice plants. Set them out now. Try to buy plants that are growing in the kind of lighting that you're going to have. Things that I wouldn't necessarily run out to, to buy right now, uh, the next week or two would be the tail end of the moss rose season. They don't do well once it starts to turn cooler. But periwinkles would still bloom for the balance of the uh, summer and fall. So there's some great ways to color up an angelonia and uh, fanflower. Lots of great things for fall. All right, that'll get us started. Let's uh, see what's on your mind. Uh, we have two calls and we have two open lines. So there we go. 888 256 1080. Jared Taylor running the boards and answering the phones and had the wonderful opportunity. My wife and I did a couple of days ago having lunch with Jared. And uh, you uh, will have the wonderful opportunity talking to him if you call through right now. Toll free anywhere you can hear me from Alpine to Crockett and from Corpus Christi to anywhere along the Red River to Leveland and, and Amarillo. Oh, gosh, I enjoy doing this program. A lot of fun. Let me uh, tell you right now about Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. This is my latest book, and uh, it's a book that you need to have. I need to get it in your hands because I think you will find it to be extremely helpful to you as you do your fall landscaping. It could be your go-to garden reference. I self-published it so I finally could have the book that I always wanted for you. It covers all topics of outdoor gardening for all parts of Texas, all 254 counties, lawns, landscapes, annuals, perennials, fruit and vegetable gardens. You bet it's all in Lone Star Gardening. Chapter 2 is a 48-page calendar, four pages per month, telling you everything that needs to be planted, pruned, fertilized, and protected in that month. I've never put that into a book before. So if you have the old cowboy boot book, say, I'll just stay with that. Well, you're going to miss Chapter 2, and that alone will pay for the $36.95 cost of this book. That's a very modest price for this book. 344 pages. It's a hardback. 840 of my best photographs printed in San Antonio, not overseas, and uh, printed by fellow Texans. And uh, I wanted all of that because it's going to have on the name of the cover, it has Lone Star Gardening. How would it look if it had some other country as the place of printing? It is not in stores and it's not on Amazon. The reason I chose to do it that way was not to make maximum dollar. This book would cost uh, $50, $60 if it were in a bookstore or on Amazon. It's $36.95 plus tax and postage. The reason I chose not to put it in stores or on Amazon was so that I could sign every copy as it sells. They mail directly from my house to your mailbox. Simple as that. Satisfaction is completely guaranteed or I'll refund every penny you spend. 67,000 copies sold to date. Not one request for a refund. Again, it's only $36.95 plus tax and postage. And uh, that's Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. The two ways you can buy it, call my office Monday through Friday. Here's the number, 800-752-GROW. That's toll free, 800-752-4769. The better way, though, is to order it right now at my website. That's Neil Sperry, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y. Dot com. The 1930s were difficult times for America. The country was in the Great Depression. Jobs were scarce. 
hopes remained high. It was during that time that Mueller started making metal products. Now here we are 90 years later, and the Mueller name has become known across the South as having the finest in quality steel and workmanship. Mueller means quality in its products. They understand what it means to weather the storm at Mueller. A Mueller metal roof is made to last and protect you and your most valued possessions from the harsh weather we are accustomed to in Texas. A Mueller metal roof can endure the intense sun, the heavy rains, hail, even snow where snow falls for years to come. That's a lot longer than a conventional roof. If you want peace of mind for the future, you're going to choose a metal roof for your home, a roof that's made by Mueller. Visit MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. You can learn more and find a location near you. You'll see why a Mueller metal roof is the best thing to have over your head. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or stop by one of their 33 locations. They're Mueller. They're made in America. And they're made to last. MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly, very, very much. And we will go to Gennady in Trinidad in just 10 seconds. But again, we have one line open. Get it while you can. One line open. That number is, get it quick, folks. (laughs) 888 Two five six ten eighty. I sound like one of the ads you see on TV, don't I? Uh, so eight 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 two five six ten eighty. Now to Janati in Trinidad. Janati, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for taking my call and congratulations on your wedding anniversary. Oh, thank you very very much. I uh, I, I shouldn't be congratulating. My wife should. She's the one who's put up with me all that time. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't lose sight of that fact. I'm very lucky. <laughs> Okay, my question is, on June 15, middle of June, we planted new zoysia grass at uh, Cedar Creek um, Lake area in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. What I need to know, i got two kinds of areas, shaded areas and no shade areas, sunny areas. In the shaded areas, grass is green, doing well. In the sunny area, it's greenish, but a little bit yellowish. So I was told most likely need to do some fertilization. So my question is when I can do the first time fertilization and what kind of fertilizer to use? All right. Uh, Let me explore a couple things with you, however. Um, First of all, what kind of soil do you have? You have sandy soil? It's mixture. It got black soil, got um, clay, all kind of. But before grass was installed, the topsoil was added, and it was mixture sand with topsoil, I guess. Sure, that often happens when we're when we're in a construction area or when we're putting new lawns in. Soil gets brought in, so it gets turned over with blades and things, and so it it does get mixed up. And for folks who are listening from around the state, uh, the Cedar Creek Lake area southeast of Dallas is kind of right on a transition zone. West of it, it gets into the Blackland Prairie, and east of it gets into the sandy soils of East Texas. And so there are some areas that are really in a transition. That's why I asked him. Um, the, the one 
you, you need to use nitrogen to, to get any lawn grass to green up. But I have a gigantic asterisk that I want to put on this comment, and I'll explain it in just a moment. Um, but nitrogen is what you need to use to get Bermuda or St. Augustine or Zoysia to green up. And the timing for zoysia is we have to be patient with them because they grow a little more slowly than, than other grasses. The timing would be um, probably, uh, I, I would say, mid-April. This is on a long-term basis, late April, mid to late April, where you are. And then let's go mid-April and then maybe very early June and then wait until September. It's almost the same schedule as St. Augustine has. The concern that I have, and here is the asterisk, um, zoysias are also subject to the same disease that St. Augustine has, and that is called gray leaf spot. Gray leaf spot is made much worse by nitrogen in hot weather. It shows up in July and August, and it will turn the lawn overall kind of a yellow cast. You look at the lawn from the street, and you say, wow, that needs some fertilizer. And when you put the fertilizer on, it gets suddenly much worse. And then you realize, oh, my gosh, there are spots all over the leaves. And that's because of the gray leaf spot fungus. You can see those, Gennady. If you go out and look at the grass uh, from just standing on it, look down at the blades. If it's a type of zoysia that has wide blades, you'll be able to see the spots. Um, I can't remember if I had gray leaf spot in my eGardens newsletter this week, but you'll be able to find lots of examples of photographs online. If you Google uh, gray leaf spot, and I would use St. Augustine uh, in your key word search, uh, gray leaf spot St. Augustine uh, photo uh, leaves or blades and, and get a close-up. You may see some of my photos because I've posted a lot of them online. And you'll see what I'm describing, and then you can go look for it on your zoysia. And if you find it, uh, then do not fertilize until September, until it turns a little bit cooler. If you don't find it, then you probably could go ahead and fertilize lightly. Uh, I'd use uh, a regular high-quality, probably all-nitrogen lawn fertilizer, not, not a cheap lawn fertilizer that's, you know, you don't want ammonium sulfate, which is the cheapest of all because it's all quick release. Let a nurseryman or a really good hardware store sell you a, a high-quality fertilizer that has some slow-release nitrogen, uh, probably 40% or 30, 40, even 50% slow-release nitrogen, and, and they'll know what you're asking for. And then use that at maybe half the recommended rate this one time, just because it's a new lawn, and that should give it a boost. But only if you do not find the gray leaf spot uh, mm -hmm. uh, spots I, that okay. turned into a really complicated answer but i don't want you to have more problems um, there is there are two fungicides that you can use and then i'll be through with this answer mercifully for you <laughs> um, there are two fungicides that are approved for gray leaf spot one of them is an old fungicide that is very good for lots of things it's called daconil d-a-c-o-n-i-l and then the other one is one with a complicated-sounding name. It's Azoxystrobin, A-Z-O-X-Y-S-T-R-O-B-I-N. And the, the lucky thing is it's only sold by one company, and that's Scott's, and they call it Disease X, E-X. And so 
that one's easier to find because you can remember the name more easily. Yeah. But those are those are two ways to remedy it if you do see the 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 uh, spots on the leaves. Zoysia okay. is fairly susceptible. I've had a lot of photos sent to me of gray leaf spot in zoysia. So that is a very com- that's that's like uh, half of a credit course in college for you right there. <laughs> okay. Thank you. So um Halloween nursery offers to... They would have it. They yeah, will have they will have a high quality fertilizer for you and the one there in Mesquite would be the closest one to you and they can yeah. certainly help you. And they give they say they've got organic kind and synthetic kind. Uh, a fertilizer? Which, yeah, fertilizer. Uh, yeah, you could use either one you wanted. Um I will tell you my personal preference but that doesn't make it right or wrong. It's what I would use. Uh, if I wanted to get a, a lawn to green up, um, a, a new lawn, I'd probably use inorganic, or you're calling it synthetic, inorganic because it, it will at least dissolve reasonably quickly. The organic mm-hmm. fertilizers take months, if not years, to become available for plants, and that's a long-term process. But you need to follow your heart and use whatever you want. Okay. I don't. So I don't synthetic. take a. I don't take a vote on that one. Mm-hmm. And half rate, apply for half rate. Okay. Yeah, if you're using an organic fertilizer, you would not have to go to half rate. It's going to be a very low analysis anyway. So. Okay. Also, uh, in the same loan, I've got lots of uh, weeds, especially nutsedge and Dallas grass. So Dallas grass, I'm using two and pulling it by hands, I guess. Yeah. And nutsedge. Do I need to leave it alone for now? Yeah, you're gonna to have to leave that alone until next year. Did that come with the sod? Uh, that's the million dollars question. I'm not. It really sure, sure is. I would be furious if that came with my zoysia sod. I would be, I, I would be turning as red as a tomato. And you've listened to me for a while, perhaps, and you've never heard me angry. And most people have never seen me angry. Maybe my kids. They'll say, "Oh man, you need to hang out with him." <laughs> but that that's unconscionable to sell an expensive turf grass like zoysia with nutsedge in it or to bring new soil to a lawn that has nutsedge in it. I'm sorry if that's the, either of those is the case. I'd be yell I would be discussing it firmly with wherever you got it. The the product I do you take my electronic newsletter eGardens? Uh yes. Okay, this uh, day before yesterday, eGardens had a story that I put in on nutsedge using image or sedge hammer, and uh, you can't do that with a brand new lawn, so you'll have to wait till next spring. But, but uh, those I, I describe how to do it. Okay. And the last question: How tall I need to mow? How what? How tall mowing need to be done? Inch and a half, two inches. That depends on the type of zoysia. I would ask the people you bought it from. What variety do you have? I got no idea, and I don't think that people who sold it to me knows either. Also, I mean, have a lot. Um, that well, to some degree, you can go by the width of the blade. The the wider bladed zoysias might be mowed a little bit higher, but uh, you're probably oh man, I don't want to take that guess. I would imagine that you're looking at uh, uh, somewhere around two inches, inch and two inch and three quarters to two, two and a quarter. I don't know. That really depends on the type. Some of the okay. fine textured ones are are mowed shorter than that. Okay. So I better run, yeah. but hopefully that gets you started. Yes. 
Appreciate yes. your calling early today. I know you Thank did. You. Thank you, sir, very much. Thank you very Max, much for your answer. You're welcome very much. Maxine and Brenham, Larry and Brazos County, I'm coming to you. He had been on hold when we got here, when when uh, uh, Jared and I showed up. He was already waiting, so... <laughs> Thank you for that very much. Let me tell you about Mueller right now. I want to tell you about Mueller Steel Buildings for your permanent storage. Why should you pay every month for some temporary storage facility when you can own a Mueller building? Does that make more sense? I think so. Mueller's backyard buildings are easy to assemble, they're affordable, and they offer permanent storage right in your own backyard. They have a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose. Their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. If your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's Standard Series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're fabulous. So from workshops to great big barns, these pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. You can also visit them online. It's a good way to get started. Go to MuellerInc.com. You spell Mueller, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. MuellerInc.com. Get a free customized building estimate. And while you're there, click on the color selector tool. You can play around with that. You can choose the perfect combination of colors and make it an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Mueller Metal Roofing, call 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online again at MuellerInc.com. Mueller Steel Buildings for Permanent Storage. More after these messages. All righty, I'm going to ramp up the pace just a little bit. These folks have become welded to their phones. Let's go to Maxine and Brenham. Maxine, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I almost forgot why I called. I'll bet anyway. you did. I have it right here on my screen. I can remind you. I have a, I have a tip to help. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we have, I have pecan trees in my yard, and, you know, we had uh, extreme cold weather in February. I heard We've had about lots that. Of, Lots of rain, yeah. We had yeah. really cold. Well, anyway, we've had lots of rain. And right now, uh, my pecan trees, they're in my yard. I uh, have like about six large ones. Anyway, and they have a lot of little green ones on, but they're falling off. Uh, they have little black spots on. And I was just wondering, is that a disease that's Yeah, it is. It's a tree? fungus, and, and it has it's nothing to do. It's a fungus, and, and what it do has, I do? What it, has I nothing, do? it has nothing to do with the cold weather it does have okay. something to do with the rain from this year. It's called yeah. a pecan scab. And, That's what I figured. Uh, yeah, and uh, it starts back in May and June when the pecans form. And mm-hmm. so there's nothing you can do at this point. Um, mm-hmm. the, the sprays that you would do for it begin when, when, it, when the pecans form. And so each mm-hmm. time that you spray your pecans for things like pecan case bears and other things during the, the summer, you need to mix a labeled fungicide. You need to get to a mm-hmm. farm supply dealer or a, a, a really good nursery. Nurseries often don't have fungicides for, for pecans. There, I would there say probably and, feed, uh, there, feed stores. Yeah, feed store would. There are fewer and fewer fungicides labeled for consumer use on pecans. It's just kind of hard mm-hmm. for me to recommend things anymore. But anyway, if you get to a farm supply store, they'll have something you can use, but there's no point in doing it now. 
any any yeah. pecan scab that is going to be on pecan husks is already there. Mm-hmm. It will cause mm-hmm. them to fall prematurely. The little black yeah. spots that you're seeing now will become very large black spots very quickly mm-hmm. within a matter of days. And those yeah. pecans are watery and black on the inside. They're yeah, not usable. Yeah, just chunk them. Yep. That's well, right. last year I had an abundance of pecans, more pecans than I've ever made. So it is what it is. It is, and that's a good way to look at it. I live in a pecan yeah. forest, and we have never sprayed ours because I just figure the squirrels need some. I need a few, yeah. and and I'm not going to go to the expense of getting a power sprayer to go 60, right. 50, 60 feet up. I think uh, a few years ago, I remember my husband uh, did, but that's been years ago. I think maybe as long as they've been there, we've never sprayed them. So. Yeah, it's, anyway. the life is too short. I need to do other right. things. Right. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for your help. I appreciate your call. Thanks for being patient with me. Thank you. All right. Let's go to Larry in Brazos County now. Larry, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. have a quick question. Sure. I need to set a propane tank in an area that has some yopon growing in it. Um, I can cut the yopon off basically close to ground level. Is there anything I can do to stop the roots from coming back up again? How soon after you do the cutting will will the propane tank come in? Right away, is it? Uh, basically within a couple of weeks. All right, that's right away. So, All right, and how large a tank are you getting? 250-gallon. All right, that's what I have So it's about seven feet long. And yeah, I'm, I'm good. I, I know how large those are. Uh, you would you would still have the ability to reach in from the sides if you had to. I have one the same size. What you need to do is um, uh, when you make the cut, Take an electric drill with, uh, how, how large are the stumps going to be? Uh, most of them are fairly small. I've got some up to a one-inch diameter, one-inch caliper. All right. Um, okay, best you can, then you're going to have to drill down into those stumps. That's going to limit the size of what you can use to drill in. Right. Uh, you you want to drill in maybe an inch, inch and a half if you can. Probably won't be able to go that far. You do not want to let your drill bit penetrate the outside walls of any of the uh, stumps any of the I'd, I'd cut them off let me think a minute what i want to say here <laughs> i might i might i might leave because you're not going to be walking under there you're not going to trip on these right. things i'd probably leave a, a three inch uh, stump above ground so you can okay. see them from the side and you're going to you, uh, that way you can you can always come back and cut them flush later if you need to but uh, what you're going to end up doing is putting a broad-leafed weed killer into those cavities, probably with an eyedropper as small as they are, yeah. and just filling them. If there's a way to use a very small funnel and a, a, a basting, uh, whatever, baster, uh, to fill them, that'd be fine, whatever. But you, you want to put a broadleafed weed killer and let that product soak into the wood. Uh, at the consumer level, it's going to be something containing 2,4-D, Yes, it sir. might be a, it might be a brush killer that would be fine too but something that is used to kill poison ivy or other brush in in a uh, in a yeah, I've got some poison area. ivy too so <laughs> well yeah be be careful but yes, but sir. I'm talking about it as a spray but instead of spraying it you're going to you're going to put it in at full strength into those cavities get okay. all the sawdust out so there's nothing to soak up the the uh, you know if it if it if it's a product that comes in a bottle and it says dilute this by putting it in, you know, two tablespoons per gallon of water, you're not going to do that. You're just going to put it in with okay. an eyedropper at full strength and let it soak into the wood. 
after you make the cut and drill the holes. Now, when you get down to the smaller ones that are too small to drill, those are the ones that worry me a little bit, and you may have to reach in with a tank sprayer and spray those as they come up. And I, I think you can get rid of this in one growing season. I don't think it'll be persistent. Okay, so if, if there's some of the smaller that come up and relief, then I can hit that with broadleaf spray. A broadleafed weed killer that is for yeah. killing poison ivy will kill yopons. Okay. Uh, by going after the stumps, the ones that have the bigger root systems, with the material directly into those holes that you're drilling, I, yeah. I think you're going to get the ones that are going to be the vigorous re-sprouts and get rid of them. Okay, I appreciate your guidance. Thank you. You're sir. welcome. Good luck with it. Take care. Bye. All the, all the rest of us trying to grow those yopons, and, and I understand I grew up in Brazos County, so I know what that means. Folks, if you'd like to call, the number is 888-256-1080. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening, now in its fifth printing, your go-to gardening reference. Love to sign one for you. I'll be signing tonight. I'll be signing tomorrow night. We'll be going to the post office Monday and or Tuesday. And uh, I'm happy to, to get one to you. I'd love to sign it and put it in a box. My wife and I do that. She's actually going to be out of town, so I'm going to be doing it myself. And uh, this is an 11-chapter book. Chapter 1 is The Basics of Gardening in Texas, What It Takes to Be Successful in Texas. Chapter 2 is the calendar I told you about, 48-page calendar telling you when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all the plants in your landscape and garden. Four pages per month, 48-page calendar. It's in text. It's not a grid that you hang on the wall. It's not that kind of calendar. Then chapters 3 through 11 are extremely detailed uh, 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 chapters with uh, uh, topics including trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. Now, there are more than 25 multi-page charts in this book, 840 of my best photos, 344 pages. It's a hardback. It was printed in San Antonio, not overseas. I wanted to keep our fellow Texans employed, and I'm really happy with this book. I self-published it so I could make the decisions of what went into the book, along with Carolyn Skye, my editor, and Cindy Smith, my graphic designer. They are both the best it gets. Now, sign every copy as it sells. 67,000 copies sold to date, not one request for refund. But if you're unhappy for any reason, I'll refund every penny you spend. There are two ways you can order it because it's not in stores and not on Amazon. One way is uh, to order it from my office Monday through Friday on the phone. That's 800-752-GROW with an O, not a zero. 800-752-GROW. That's 800-752-4769. But the better way is just by going to my website, neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I'll have more after these messages. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go uh, right back to the phones. Let's go to Gary in College Station. Gary, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. Yeah, I have a hibiscus that uh, uh, made it through the last freeze we had. And I was wondering if I needed to uh, feed it. Uh, what kind of hibiscus? Yes, answer is yes. What kind of hibiscus is it? Well, they call it um, a hybrid um, fertile something. I, I'm not really sure. 
Well, there are hardy hibiscus, so obviously you have one because the tropicals wouldn't have made it through that. Uh, yes, hibiscus are pretty active feeders, and uh, most of them need a pretty high nitrogen fertilizer, which is kind of odd because we think about growing them uh, more for uh, their flowers than we do for their leaves and stems, which is what nitrogen produces. But they bloom on new growth, and so they need that nitrogen. Yes, sir, I would, I would definitely fertilize it. Okay, is, is now a good time? Yes, actually, you probably should have been doing it about once a month. There's uh, so starting in April, I would I would fertilize uh, any hibiscus about once a month as they're growing actively, and what you put on your lawn, as strange as it sounds, would probably be the uh, the best thing to use. Just make sure it does not have a weed and feed component; that it's just a fertilizer. Okay. Well, I'm using. Uh it doesn't, doesn't matter the brand. It just needs to be a high nitrogen fertilizer. Okay. So yeah. I'm using uh, St. Augustine, which is doing very well. So That would be fine. That would okay. be just great. appreciate it. Love you. All sir. right. You betcha. Have a good day. Thank you. Let me get my last break in. I'll do a quick version of my website ad, and uh, and then I'll be able to finish out the program and make sure I have plenty of time for the calls. NeilSperry.com is my website. That's where you can buy my book that I've told you about, Lone Star Gardening. It's not in stores and not on Amazon. So if you'd like to see more about the book, go to NeilSperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. It's also where you sign up for my free electronic newsletter, eGardens, which comes out every Thursday night, just a little after 6 p.m. I hope you'll sign up if you're not already a subscriber. It's free and always will be, and I don't spam you. You'll not ever get any oddball thing from me. So that's available to you, and you can see the most recent issue of eGardens, all of that at neilsperry.com. Lots more. Just take a look at it at n-e-i-l-s-p-e-r-r-y.com. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. They've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for 90 years, but now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right in your own backyard. They're easy-to-assemble, bolt-together greenhouses come in five sizes. The small ones are 6 by 9 the big ones are 12 by 21 Go big, folks, you'll never have a greenhouse big enough. They feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors from which to choose. With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year-round. Don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce. Get a great greenhouse from a great Texas-grown company. Visit them online at MuellerInc.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com, or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. MuellerInc.com. It's Mueller Greenhouses. More after this. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go to Diana in Chapel Hill. Diana, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you. What can I do to help? Uh, we need to find out. Uh, we have a uh, what they call a dwarf magnolia tree, and when is the best time to trim the bottom limbs? Uh, you can pretty much do that anytime you wish. There's no, um, there's there's no, no season or anything or a certain no. time. 
You know, I like okay. to trim, uh, do my pruning of trees in the wintertime because I can see through them and see the branch structure, but magnolias are evergreen, so at least the, well, let me ask you, uh, most magnolias are deciduous, but southern magnolias, magnolia grandiflora and its varieties are evergreen. Is this evergreen or is it a deciduous magnolia? Uh, that I don't know. <laughs> Have you had it through a wintertime? It, it's pretty well, yeah, it pretty well stays green all year long. Okay, then it's a, an evergreen, evergreen type. Yeah, there are there are types. The um, uh, saucer magnolia is one that, that loses its leaves in the winter, and, and a lot of people grow it in Texas, especially uh, in the eastern half of the state. Anyway, to my point, you can prune it any time you want to. Remember that uh, you, you never can put those branches back, and so you need to make triply sure that you, you like the look of a magnolia that has been limbed up. Uh, there are people who like them with the branches clear to the ground. There are people who prefer to have them limbed up. I do, and I, I get that. I understand. Uh, but there are other people who would rather have them down low. So what I would recommend is is remove one branch at a time, step back, look at it, think about it for a few days, and uh, then you can always take another one off if you wish, but do it one branch at a time, and don't just go out there and buzz it up and then say, oh, man, I took too many off. Yeah. Okay. That sounds great. All righty. Appreciate your call. Good luck with it. Make them nice and nice and flush. They don't have to be right up against the trunk, but you don't want to leave more than about a quarter inch of the branch collar. Thanks for the call, okay. Diana. Let's go to Michael in San Angelo. Michael, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. How can I help you? Well, Neil, I live on the lake right outside of town, which is about one-third reeds growing through it. And periodically, you'll see a clump of these reeds just float off, and when they get near shore, they root. Uh, which they did at my neighbor's house a few years ago and have just completely taken over his yard. Now it's moving over into uh, the shoreline in, in my yard. What's a good, safe way of getting rid of those reeds, killing them out? All right. Um, I am not sure that I'm going to be your guy to answer that. I may have to send you to a farm supply store. That gets a little bit out of urban horticulture and into when you get into into waterways and uh, where there are uh, uh, aquatic animals involved, it becomes a different science altogether. Is this horsetail reed, or is it is it cattails, or what are they? No, it's not cattails. Uh, the type you know, I'm not aware of. They they grow up to eight feet tall. The entire lake is pretty much filled with them. Oh, that's awful. Or, or uh, about a third is Lake Nasworthy. About a third of it is has these uh, huge reed beds. Let me let me send you to the best. I would go to the county extension office. They will be completely. I know your lake, uh, and and they would be completely familiar with that. And they also would uh, be able to put you uh, in contact with the uh, Texas A&M weed control specialist. That's what my dad was with Texas A&M when I was growing up. And uh, this was that was his science, not necessarily aquatic weeds, but just weeds in general. He was a state weed control specialist, and he went into range weeds. And our next door neighbor, one of his graduate students, took over in 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 the specifics of weed control. This is right in my wheelhouse, but I didn't study that part of it. But okay. uh, that's the the county extension officer in Tom Green County can can get you the help very very quickly Monday morning. They're okay, smarter than I am. <laughs> All right, Neil. I appreciate your help. Thank you. I'm so glad you called. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, you very, too. very much. 
Um, it, folks, any time that you need that kind of help, if you go through your county extension office, every county in Texas has a, a uh, an office of the Texas AgriLife Extension. Some of the counties that are very small and have uh, limited staff may partner with another county. You know, for example, Loving County with 57 residents in the county. Uh, I'm I'm reasonably sure partners with uh, my dad did work on African Rue in that county. And that was in partnership with Reeves County in Pecos. Um, that was when I was in about the fifth grade and uh, a long time ago. But anyway, uh, uh, you have access to the brain power of Texas A&M. And I put my stock and faith in what the A&M scientists say. I just I saw my dad do the research. I watched it. I know what good research looks like. And, and so when you get a little far afield from urban horticulture, that's where I turn and refer people. So County Extension Office would be your good starting point, and they can then call on the people at College Station or in the area offices in Fort Stockton in, in the case of San Angelo. I hope this has been good for you. It has been a fun, it's a lot more fun when we have calls. Last week we had some technical issues and we didn't broadcast. We thought we were. But I hope you had a, a good day today. I hope you have a great week and we'll be back live next week again. Jared Taylor, thank you, sir. Good program. Happy gardening.